Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you all for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Neha Zephyr, and I'm currently a second-year health system pharmacy administration and leadership resident at Houston Methodist Hospital, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me today are Garrett Strom, Director of Pharmacy Education and Academic Affairs at Mayo Clinic, Sujin Weinstein, Clinical Psychiatric Pharmacist at John Hopkins, and Maggie Shudlock, Clinical Pharmacy Practitioner at William S. Middleton Memorial Veterans Hospital. Thanks for joining us today, Garrett, Sujin, and Maggie. Let's go ahead and get started talking about today's topic, which is Leadership Conversations, Establishing a Pharmacy Internship. So the first question that we'll go over is just to get an overview of each of the programs at your respective institutions, how long each program has been established, how many students go through it each year, and what the overall purpose and goal of the program is. So Garrett, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks for the introductions, Neha. And on behalf of my pharmacist colleagues, Sujin and Maggie, appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this important topic today. I'll be talking about Mayo Clinic's pharmacy internship. So in Rochester, Minnesota, we've had a program in place for for well over two decades. It's a relatively unique internship in that it's a a 10 week long program and it's only offered to students who just completed their P2 year of pharmacy school. Number wise, we accept up to about nine interns um, every single summer. As far as the purpose of the program, yeah, that's honestly changed over time. Historically, our pharmacy internship was a mixture of more hospital and community-based and more counseling and dispensing as far as the roles. Um, But two years ago, I completely scrapped that model on that part of the curriculum. And the reason for doing that really, as a former residency program director, I would see thousands and thousands of residency applications. And the ones that always stood out were those in students applying to residency that were involved in some type of project, so getting project management skills. And so that, that was really the big driver um, for Mayo Clinic to move to a completely project-based internship. And so starting in 2021, um, I converted it to, to the project-based program. Thankfully, I had nine amazing interns um, to really kind of lead the charge on this first attempt. And by the end of that 10-week internship in 2021, those nine interns had completed 48 different projects for the Department of Pharmacy. So it was a huge success um, with our first go-around. And so I'd like to believe that 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 first class of project-based interns hopefully got some valuable experience um, to develop and be a competitive residency applicant someday. Hi there, this is Sujan, and I'll be talking about our Johns Hopkins Summer Internship Program. So similar to Garrett, and this is actually our 20th year for our program. So we have some celebratory festivities that are planned, but we have typically about 25 interns per summer in both our inpatient and outpatient areas. And also similar to the Mayo program, about 10 years ago, we really transitioned from having an operational component to just being project-based. And for us, that was also largely determined because of time, because it takes about two weeks to really train the students to be able to be proficient in the more dispensing roles. And we did find much more value from the projects that the students 
we're working on and contributing to the pharmacy services and to patient care. Some differences for us is that our students are separate or distributed over three different campuses. We do require a minimum of nine consecutive weeks, and we do have a rolling application process with online applications due in November. And we do utilize a rubric, which does, uh, as Garrett mentioned, kind of touches on a lot of their leadership community service activities because we found students who are engaged in these sorts of experiences in school have already developed a lot of their kind of soft skills in terms of communication, teamwork, time management that really benefits their experiences when they begin their internship with us. And so again, similar to the Mayo program, our goal really was to introduce students to the pharmacy careers, the pharmacy services that are available in a large academic health system such as ours, and to really help them to become competitive applicants for residency training, which is a major goal of probably all of our student interns. And for example, this year, it's about 83% residency match rate for our graduating intern class. Hello, this is Maggie, and I'll be talking about the William S. Middleton or the Madison B. Internship Program. So previously, we had a nationally funded program called the Valor Program from 2008 till 2019. It was for three interns only after their second year of pharmacy school. There was a summer component and then an extended into the school year as well. So we primarily take students from the University of Wisconsin-Madison for our program. The goal was to really expose students to a variety of VA pharmacy practice and then also attract and retain talent within the VA system. Unfortunately, the VA funding for this program was discontinued in 2020. And the pharmacy leadership team saw this actually as a great opportunity to re Vamp and create a new internal internship program to address an ongoing concern that we saw with high turnover rate within our pharmacy student technician pool. What would happen is once inter students did not receive the Valor internship, they would leave and go elsewhere to have an internship opportunity. So we saw this as a great opportunity to offer an internship level experience for all of our student technicians in order to elevate the roles that our student technicians and then interns were able to provide for the pharmacy department and also just to help their role in expanding services within their whole facility. So currently, as it stands, the program is a summer portion, is a 12-week program where the interns are spending 50% of their time on clinical rotations and 50% of time in elevated technician roles. And during their P3 school year, they continue working in elevated technician roles throughout the school year. There are currently three different tracks depending on where the students are working as their technician roles. So we have an ambulatory care track, an outpatient pharmacy slash ambulatory care track, as well as an inpatient pharmacy track. The number of interns we have every year varies, but it's usually between 10 to 13 now. Okay, that's awesome. Sounds like there are some similarities across all three programs, but also really different in the types of opportunities that are offered to students. And you guys take a lot of students too. I didn't realize it was that many. So really great that you guys have such a big cohort each summer. I'm actually going to skip to question number three, because I feel like that makes more sense after we just talked about the internship program. So activities that are completed, and then I'll come back to number two. So the next question that I wanted to dive into, since some of you guys mentioned project responsibilities, um, inpatient, ambulatory care, different tracks, et cetera, based on student interests, 
what are some of the activities or responsibilities that interns usually complete during the summer internship program? And what are some examples of previous things that were completed by past interns? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start here. So Mayo Clinic's relatively new project-based internship is really divided into three parts or three components. First is the quality researcher just do it project. So each spring, what I do is I send out a survey to my pharmacists and pharmacy technician colleagues in the department and ask for any and all ideas that they have, anything that they absolutely need help with um, during the summer months. And honestly, the response to that survey has been amazing. Um, I, I get project ideas from literally every area of pharmacy practice, um, hospital, acute care, community, informatics, administration, specialty, you name it. Um, we get ideas from pharmacists and pharmacy technicians who need help. The second part of our program uh, is a big focus on professional development and networking. And so every Monday throughout the 10 week summer program, interns spend the entire day with me or other members of our department. And we do workshops learning about some of those skills that they're going to need likely for the rest of their career. Those workshops can range from anywhere from like abstract writing to poster development. We talk about burnout and well-being. We talk about financial literacy, um, you know, school loans for pharmacists and what that looks like. Uh, We also do things like interview considerations, presentation development, residency prep, you name it. And so there's tons and tons of workshops that we do. The other part of that Monday is networking. And so I bring in, you know, frontline staff and needed administrative leaders all throughout Mayo Clinic in our department. And the interns get, you know, an opportunity in a very relaxed, informal setting just to pick the brains of of these individuals from different specialty areas, different administrative roles. And and that's valuable because they could talk about their career path and what that looked like and, and maybe get some ideas on, on what their future may look like. And then the last part is every Friday is mini rotation and we essentially it's shadowing a residence or a pharmacist in whatever area they want. And honestly, that's probably the most popular part of the program. We've had um, you know past interns who said it would be great if we could just do 10 weeks of mini rotations. So we do balance that you know, with obviously the projects that they do and then the professional development and networking as well. So at Johns Hopkins, we do very much similar professional topic discussions, shadowing. So our projects are a little bit different in how the interns decide or are assigned which projects to work on. So as we are interviewing or during the interview process, those behavioral questions, we're also utilizing to match students to preceptors and areas. So each intern works with one primary preceptor. And for those who are experienced, they have running lists of projects that they need to accomplish for their service area or for whomever patient population that they are responsible for. So the students get involved basically in the projects that their preceptors are involved with or would like to accomplish during the summertime. Other activities that are a little bit different, we have an IPE event with our students working with students from other disciplines in the area from our schools of nursing, business, medicine, um, and public health, where they meet for a few hours and discuss fictional patients and how to care for them collaboratively. We also have an optional leadership book club, and this was an idea from a past intern class, but now we have our past and current HSPAL and CPAL residents lead and moderate discussions. For the past few years, they've chosen 
Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Effective, Highly Effective People, where the both the pharmacist moderators and then the students participate in leading topic discussions. Um, and then our Maryland chapter of ASHP also holds a student, student leadership workshop during the course of the summer so that the students can engage with more local area students and they discuss pharmacy forecast. All of our interns participate in core activities pretty similar to what Garrett and Sujin had described. We have a leadership development workshop series. We also uh, do with the interns to network with the pharmacy leadership team, the RPDs, we do CV reviews, interview preparation, and so forth. We do have a longitudinal project um, that's a very similar approach where we request input from all parts of the department. And then we have the leadership team review that, and then we send it out to the interns to rank their preferences, and then we assign projects from there on out. All of our interns additionally present an in-service to all the preceptors and residents. In terms of clinical activities, that does depend on the track that the interns are assigned to. So our ambulatory care interns rotate through a variety of primary care and specialty clinics. They eventually lead patient visits, work with the pharmacist to adjust medications, they write soap notes. In their technician roles, they independently staff new patient medication intake call slots. They do hospice reviews, different population health management projects, and so forth. Our outpatient pharmacy interns, they also rotate through some clinics, and then they have elevated roles in the outpatient pharmacy with things like patient counseling, drug information questions, naloxone outreach to eligible veterans, and so forth. Our inpatient pharmacy technicians and interns rotate through a variety of the different general medicine services. They run with the teens, do medrex, do warfarin and antibiotic monitoring. They also get to shadow several inpatient specialty pharmacists, such as the inpatient pain service, mental health, critical care. Um, in their elevated technician roles, they get to work on discharge counseling, new anticoagulation education, along with their other technicians. Awesome. So many diverse opportunities. And I love the professional development that's offered as well. I think that's really important for students, especially if they're kind of focusing towards postgraduate training too. So hearing all of these amazing things that they get to do, what obstacles, if any, did the program encounter when you guys were initiating the internship? What did you guys do to overcome some of those obstacles? Yeah, thanks, Nina. Um, you know, for me as an internship program director at Mayo Clinic, um, I would say my biggest obstacle wasn't necessarily initiating the internship because it's been in place for so long. But the biggest obstacle, quite honestly, was, was tearing down something that had been in place for decades um, and really starting with a completely fresh new program. Our, our department honestly had grown accustomed you know, to our summer interns you know, being online and helping with dispensing and you know, counseling and kind of that more operational side of things. So when I walked into a room of supervisors and managers and directors and said, hey, I want to completely go away from that and just do projects, um, there, there was some hesitant, hesitancy at first um, from some of my colleagues. And so I think that was an obstacle. I think another obstacle I had, honestly, was just believing in myself that I could pull this off, you know, going completely in a different direction. But but fortunately, um, you know, I was able to recruit nine phenomenal interns and to be that inaugural class. Recruiting was hard because a lot of them were asking, like, well, what are some you know examples of past projects that interns had worked on? And I'm like, well, I don't really have any. Um, so, so that was a little bit of a challenge and a leap of faith um, on their part, um, you know, to trust me and and trust that the program could meet their needs. But yeah, overall, I would say, you know, the obstacles, all things considered, you know, weren't too big. 
But mine was maybe a little bit different situation of going from established to a completely different direction with the program. I think for us, especially in the earlier years of the program, maybe budget was challenging because these are paid internships. Um, however, through the project work, our students were able to show the value of the program. And so in, uh, probably now five years ago or more, we have set aside a part of the pharmacy department budget specifically to accommodate these intern positions. I think the projects have really provided value where if we could, every preceptor would want to have an intern. So every year it becomes a, a, a difficult or a challenge to decide which, inter, which preceptors will have a student. Um, the other challenge that we had was the application process. So in the beginning, we had internal students who were working with us throughout the year. We had students who were referred by pharmacists who were in the department. We had external applicants. So we streamlined the application process and also made it online to also streamline communication. Um, and we do receive a large volume of applications, and we are fortunate to have our pharmacists and residents to help us review these applications, utilizing the rubric to help standardize the review process. But it is still a little challenging because we interview about the top 25% of the applicants. We have 30-minute uh, phone interviews with them, well, now virtual interviews, and so it does take up a significant part of our time which, again, these are added responsibilities to our, our core positions. The Madison VA, when we initially launched this new version of the pharmacy internship, we were originally trying to model it off of the old Valor program, where each of our three interns essentially rotated through all areas of the department, inpatient, outpatient, and the different ambulatory care clinics. And when we went from three interns doing that to all 10 interns doing that, that was just chaos because we were also trying to balance with uh, all the interns having about 50% of their technician duties still as part of their internship program. So we found that the interns were spending too little time in each part of the department. So then they weren't able to really elevate their roles and help the pharmacists in those areas because they were doing more shadowing. So we ended up switching to more of this track approach where which each intern's assigned to a different track. So that way they have a variety of experiences they're seeing within their track but they have a much more longitudinal experience so they're able to develop those skills so then by the end of the summer they are able to be more independent and to actually help the pharmacists in whatever their roles are and then when during the school year they're continuing to staff these internships they're then able to independently take on workload that's been delegated to the interns so that's been a big success and a big barrier we had to overcome in the beginning also we had a lot of preceptor burnout with the sheer volume of interns that we had onboarded um, with this new program. However, shifting to more of a track approach and really being intentional with what kind of rotations the internship interns completed was really helpful at helping balance preceptor burnout with making sure that the needs of the department and in training our interns was met. Another thing, that, like I mentioned, was that all of our current student technicians are being elevated to these intern roles. So we lost the opportunity to potentially gain new talent from an external pool of candidates. So we were actually able to obtain an additional ambulatory care technician position through a business proposal that a resident previously completed. And this allowed for an opportunity to interview and potentially 
onboard an additional external candidate that wasn't previously a student technician at the Madison VA. So that was an excellent opportunity to make sure we're still retaining good talent. Awesome. Kudos to such success in making big changes in the program, especially Maggie and Garrett. Um, sounds like you guys really have already made so many changes. So, I mean, the next question is, you know, given your experience, what changes do you plan to make, if any, to the current program? Um, maybe like small opportunities for improvement, or if you're intending to take it in a different direction, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for Mayo Clinic, having talked to, to many organizations that were doing project-based internships, you know, prior to implementing ours was, was a, a ton of help. But honestly, I sat down with last year's intern class on the last day of the program and said, you know, hit me with it. What went well? Um, what didn't go so well? And I've got, I got great feedback, um, you know, some, some suggestions and, and feedback about, you know, maybe getting the list of projects before they actually arrived to campus would be very helpful. The first day of our program last year, um, you know, I, I had them all in a room and I had this Excel document and like, you know, here's, you know, 40 plus project ideas. I'm going to leave now. You all figure it out, you know, who's assigned to what project. I will say I have never heard so much laughter coming out of a room. They were very innovative and they went online and found like a random generator, like a wheel of fortune wheel, and put all the projects in there and they were like spinning for random ideas uh, within the class. So it turned out well, but they did suggest that maybe ahead of time, you know, getting those would be beneficial. Additionally, some more professional development ideas came out of that discussion. One of the interns said, you know, it'd be really valuable to have someone come in and show us how to do literature searches in PubMed. You know, that's something that we think we're going to need to know how to do. Um, additionally, um, an individual recommended maybe getting a crash course on reference managers, you know, for manuscripts and, and publications. Um, they were interested in, in learning that skill set. Many rotations, they all loved them. And so that feedback was pretty much universal. Some other feedback is, you know, some of the projects that they started didn't go as planned. And, you know, that was that was valuable feedback, but also a great teaching opportunity for me to say, yeah, get used to it. That's what residency and, and being a pharmacist is like, is sometimes projects are great ideas, but they don't necessarily result in something. So good teaching opportunity with that as well. But overall, I would say, yeah, we're probably in the in the tweak phase, the minor tweaking of things. Um, I think we we did a pretty good job of, of putting some thought into this program. And so overall, I, I think it's been a, a pretty big success. So for the summer internship program, it's obviously not a formal academic experience. So we do not assign a grade, but we do solicit feedback at the end of the summer from the pharmacists and interns. So the pharmacists complete a summative evaluation of the students and the students complete evaluations about their own performance, their preceptors, as well as the internship program. And so these uh, evaluations provide opportunities for improvement. Specifically for this year, we already made one change in that we're going to provide a professional topic discussion on interviewing skills because just from this uh, last group of interviews, we felt that they could benefit from additional guidance to improve upon their interviewing techniques. Of course, like uh, most other institutions, we are slowly resuming in-person activities. So trying to identify which presentations, topic discussions, even shadowing sessions will remain virtual uh, versus back to in-person. And since our students are spread over three campuses and our pharmacists are engaging in telemedicine, some of these things are here to stay. So trying to identify what is the best learning experience for our students. 
at the Madison VA, we are, I think, always also tweaking our program and trying to optimize things for both the student learning opportunities as well as for the department. So we're constantly looking at what are our department or our facility goals and priorities and how can we leverage our interns to help advance those goals. So for example, currently our big department goals are health equity and pharmacogenomic testing. So we're looking at opportunities to um, modify some of our interns experiences in order to be able to advance those goals. So for example, we're going to be incorporating into the new patient medication intake calls that our ambulatory care interns are completing the opportunity to talk with veterans about pharmacogenomic testing and offered at that, at that time. So that's a great opportunity for interns to be involved in that process. Other things that we're looking at is we're looking to formalize some sort of a mentorship component for the interns. Previously, we had resident mentors assigned to interns. However, with the sheer volume of interns we now have, we're trying to figure out a different way to have some sort of staff pharmacist oversight uh, provide more of that mentorship piece to interns. So that's something we're exploring at the moment. And then finally, um, with these great projects that the interns have been completing, usually we ask them to present at the annual Wisconsin conference, but there isn't any really showcase to the department of all the great things that the interns have been doing and how they've been helping pharmacists. So we're looking at potentially starting some sort of showcase at the end of the summer so that it could be a good avenue for pharmacy leadership as well as other pharmacists to hear about the great things that the interns have been contributing. So hopefully continue um, elevating their, their roles within, within the department. Okay, very exciting. Lots of cool things coming up and tweaks. Like you said, Garrett, it sounds like everything's pretty well established, but of course, there's always opportunities for improvement. So great to see that y'all are continuously looking at ways to optimize the programs. So I think Susan mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, you know, with these being paid internship positions, what do you do to kind of measure the productivity of the interns in the program overall to continue to justify these positions being part of the budget? Yeah, I'm sure I'm in a, a very similar situation as, as Sujin and Maggie in here where, you know, especially for project-based programs, like how do you quantify that and, and say it's worth a certain dollar amount? For Mayo Clinic's internship, I guess productivity is all about the projects that they do. With the first class, I developed a dashboard to track each of the projects they were working on and their outcomes. And not all the projects went to completion. Uh, many did, um, but, you know, certainly, you know, had a kind of a status of where they were at. Uh, that dashboard ultimately resulted in a report that I provided to not only my pharmacy, pharmacy leadership, but also, you know, to the C-suite of Mayo Clinic. And, and I must say, you know, even with that first class, how impressed everyone was, including the C-suite, on what you know, recent P2s were able to do for projects, you know, was just outstanding. And so, you know, some of those projects have resulted in abstracts and posters and maybe even some publications. And that's not the goal of the internship. It's a nice bonus if that happens. Um, but certainly we can quantify that as well as kind of a value add, you know, to the scientific literature. The other thing too is I'm always following, and I think uh, Sujin had mentioned this, is what percentage of our graduates go on to either you know, residency or, or going to the job market. Now, historically, almost 100% of our past interns went into residency. You know, with this new project-based program, um, those interns are currently P4s or about to start on their P4 year, so I don't have that number, but I'm hopeful that uh, we maintain that level and that we have historically. 
So at Johns Hopkins, our students do formally present their projects in front of the department, as well as other members who are invited. So for example, if they worked with the Department of Medicine, providers may be invited, but it's an opportunity for them to put together a formal presentation and present in front of a large audience and receive feedback. So from these projects, the students create an abstract, and these are compiled, compiled into an executive summary that's shared with the leadership at the department, institutional, and health system level. So that has been really effective in showing the value of our program to those outside of our department. So have a large number of students who present poster presentations, usually at the following year's mid-year clinical meeting. And so that's another metric that we have. I would say probably about half of the class do pursue uh, poster presentations. So that's another uh, experience that students can add to their CV. And again, our residency achievement rate, we're pretty proud of that number as well. And we are always excited to see our interns return to pursue residency positions with us and even um, employment. I agree with a lot of the things that have been already said. We're always excited to track our residency rates after the interns complete the program, especially those that stay on at the Madison VA for residency. And then broadly, we also like to look and see how many of our interns are retained within the larger VA system. So those are always things we like to look at. We also like to keep track of how many of these projects then go on to become poster presentations at the Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin annual meeting, like I mentioned earlier. And then specifically for the roles that the interns are completing and more of their elevated intern and tech roles, um, we do keep a close eye on it depending on the track. So for example, for our ambulatory care intern side, we do look at the specific roles that they are completing to see how they are performing. So for example, in the new patient medication intake calls, we track grid utilizations, how many encounters they're completing to figure out exactly how much of their time should be allocated to these different specific tests that are priorities for the department versus whether we should shift them to other department priorities. And that's one way we're able to determine how to best utilize our interns. Okay, got it. Yeah, I was definitely curious about how to, like Garrett, you said, assign a dollar amount to projects that people are completing, especially if, you know, in the short summer time frame, they may not actually get completed during that time. So nice to hear kind of the metrics that you guys track to be able to say, you know, this is what they were able to achieve in the short time that they were here. Kind of the other side of the finance portion of the summer internship programs are housing options. So especially for students who are from out of state, who are accepted to the internship program. Does the program offer any kind of support or housing options for interns? And if so, um, how have you kind of approached that with pharmacy or institution leaderships who have that justified as well? Yeah, so the, our internship in, in Rochester does offer housing um, for our interns. And like you said, Niha, we, we pull in interns from everywhere across the United States, which, which we love. Um, for decades, the Department of Pharmacy has rented uh, two furnished houses, and, and they are literally one step off of the hospital campus, so about as convenient as one could get um, from an internship perspective. Those two houses we've rented for quite some time, um, even before I came to Mayo Clinic, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, these are older houses. Um, they're not the nicest. They're not new construction, but at the same time, free, and, you know, the value of free uh, to a summer intern who doesn't have to pay for something I think can go a long way. We have been, you know, searching and, and seeking out alternative locations, you know, for furnished housing. But 
I don't know what it's like for Sujin and Maggie, but rental properties and the price um, of finding alternative arrangements is pretty prohibitive at this point. It's just insanely expensive. And so we don't want to let go of a good thing, but at the same time, too, we want to make sure that we offer housing that that our interns are, are valuing and, and really comfortable being in. I think overall, as far as the justification, you know, this is this is a challenge. Like if you're starting a new program, I think this would be a huge challenge um, because of the price tag that goes with it. I guess I'm fortunate. I work for a department and organization that that sees the values of the interns, what they contribute to patient care. And so the, the justification for housing, to be honest, really hasn't been a big issue for me um, historically. So for the Johns Hopkins program, we do not provide any housing. We do provide students with a housing guide. That is actually we provide and share with our new residents and employees. One of our summer interns helps to update this guide annually. We also provide a summary of housing availability from members within the department. So the beginning of the year, we solicit information from our pharmacists and technicians about rentals, whether it's a furnished room, so more like a roommate situation or a rental property. And then this information is shared with our interns. But unfortunately, we do not assist much in that uh, in arranging housing for the summer. And the Madison B situation is also a little bit different since all of our students are already living in Madison. So we don't have to worry about providing housing since they're already living there. And since they'll be working as student technicians prior to the internship and then continuing on in a technician and intern role after the summer component as well. Okay, got it. Awesome. And Garrett, for the houses that you guys rent, so are all the interns living in these two houses together? Yeah, that's why we limit our, our program size to nine, because uh, we have nine bedrooms. And so that's really the rate limiting step on the number. But yeah, they get to live together. So they work together, live together. And my impression is they have a lot of fun. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so of course, you know, with the current, you know, pandemic that's been ongoing for the last two-ish years, it's a question that we got to ask. Um, how has the pandemic affected your internship program? And you know, for students who are interested that may not be able to come on site physically, are there any remote learning options for those students as well? Yeah, so I mean, for, for us in, in Rochester, obviously the pandemic had a huge impact um, on the summer internship and, and specifically the summer of 2020. Um, I had already interviewed and selected nine interns and a few short weeks before we were supposed to start, I had to send that email as program director to say, sorry, um, things aren't looking good. You know, we've got to cancel the internship. And that was a hard email uh, to send to nine really excited and motivated individuals. Now, all of them understood, um, you know, that they, they had been through this. They were seeing how things were changing locally and nationally. But I guess the silver lining in that challenge that the pandemic created is honestly, it, it was a hard stop for me to reflect and, and really reevaluate the internship, which ultimately led to the change of going to the project-based program. And, and yeah, had that not happened, I don't, I don't know if I would have had the time, you know, to sit back and critically evaluate of, you know, what do we need to do? What's going well, but where do we need to change things to put our interns in the best position for success moving forward, whether that be residency or jobs thereafter? And so, you know, it's a silver lining. Now, don't get me wrong. Like if we could go back in time and not have a pandemic, I would take that deal. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of fear that maybe the internship would have just continued keeping on, keeping on, you know, because we didn't have time to really reflect on it. Remote options right now, this it's 100% in person. And, you know, I think, you know, definitely open to the idea. 
Healthcare clearly is moving in a direction of telehealth and virtual visits. And so we have to adjust accordingly. But at the same time, too, being the program director and seeing the reaction um, and, and, you know, everyone's faces that comes to Rochester and Mayo Clinic for the first time, there's something to be said. It's, it's hard to pick up on the culture of an organization. You know, I mean, Mayo Clinic's been around for 150 plus years. Um, you just get this sense of, of what, you know, it's like at Mayo, the teamwork, you know, the interdisciplinary approach that we use. And, and some of that I, I fear may be lost if we go, you know, to complete um, virtual setting. But I'm definitely, you know, not closing, you know, the, the idea that we don't have to adapt over time. I, I think eventually we'll probably have a hybrid. So similar to Garrett and the Mayo program, the leading months up to the summer of 2020, we were struggling with a decision of whether to have the internship in light of making sure our students were safe, our pharmacists and patients were safe. And ultimately, we did decide to continue with the program. Many of our pharmacists are were working home virtually at that time. And because our internship is largely project-based, the students were also able to work virtually. And so some of them even did not come into the state of Maryland, so they worked remotely entirely from home. But for the most part, preceptors were going into the office once or twice a week, maybe a little bit more depending upon their responsibilities. And so the students just followed the schedule of their preceptors. This year, we are requiring all in-person, on-site uh, experiences. And as Garrett mentioned, there are just some undeniable advantages with being in person and networking and, and meeting one another um, and even the interns themselves. So that's something that we haven't touched on yet, but they are a, a large cohort and they develop friendships, professional relationships that continue uh, and they support one another as they pursue residency and their new jobs, often finding one another uh, in the same city. So uh, these types of relationships are, are difficult to develop with just virtual experiences. Yes, we also had quite a disruption with the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, most of our staff actually shifted to telework. So we in 2020, we did a lot of training sessions with our staff on how to be virtual preceptors. Um, so our preceptors were remote, but we actually had our learners come on site and they were being precepted from home by the with preceptors. So that was an interesting dynamic. And eventually what we're shifting towards now is a partial telework agreement for our staff. So the requirement when we have moving forward is for staff to be on site when they are precepting the learners because it is more, it, it's a more beneficial environment for the learner in that situation. I will say that through the pandemic, we've had an increased utilization of our telehealth technologies across the VA. So students are being more exposed to telehealth visits. Um, so that's definitely one silver lining is they're, they're having a greater opportunity with, with these kinds of visit options. Okay, yeah, great to hear that y'all are able to kind of pivot and make sure that students still get to, you know, complete these opportunities, even with some of the obstacles that are thrown at us from the outside world too. So really nice to hear that. I think I'm going to skip question number eight, the strengths of the internship program, because I think we've kind of covered that throughout all the other questions and just go ahead to the last one, if that's okay with y'all. So the last question that we have, especially for our listeners who are new practitioners wanting to start a summer internship program at their respective sites, what advice do you guys have for them? 
Yeah, I think number one for me is don't give up on the idea. You know, I've talked to, to many colleagues across the U.S. who reached out and said, you know, how, how do you start a program? And, and it's, you just got to be persistent. Pharmacy interns, I mean, if, if you see how they rejuvenate you know, the workforce and, and the daily reminder of why we became pharmacists. And so it's an easy idea, you know, to sell in concept, but, you know, to, to get the financials, you know, can be some challenges. The second, I would definitely recommend reaching out to established programs, you know, so, you know, myself, Sujin, you know, Maggie, we, we, we've been doing this for a while, reach out, get ideas. Every internship needs to exist, you know, within the confines of the practice of your organization. And, and that's different from one place to the next. But just get ideas um, from others along the way. And I think that will really help you kind of create an internship that works best um, for your organization. Third, and we've already talked about this to a certain degree, Niha, but don't get caught up in, in counting the widgets of productivity. I think, you know, historically you look at maybe doses dispense and numbers of med histories and, and, and those are all great. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're necessary to justify, you know, FTE, but I would really challenge someone trying to start a new program of what's the value of a project. What is the value of a project that improves pharmacy technician job satisfaction? And that, that's priceless. You know, what's the value of a, a process improvement in an outpatient pharmacy you know, that improves the workflow for pharmacists and technicians. It's hard to put numbers on those sometimes. So start thinking outside of the box, you know, not necessarily a direct widget that you can pull, um, you know, from a traditional standpoint. And then lastly, just engage your colleagues. Um, I can guarantee you, you have pharmacists and pharmacy technician colleagues who want to be involved in the program. They may have a professional development topic that they want to lead, they're an expert on. Or maybe they want to have an intern, you know, involved in the project itself or a mini rotation. So don't feel like you have to tackle it yourself. Similar to Garrett's recommendations, I would say to start small. So our first intern class was a size of three, but it has progressed over the years, especially as we have been able to show value to members within our department and outside of our department. Establishing buy-in from peers is so important because it's those frontline firsthand experiences with pharmacists, with residents that the interns truly value and, and gain so much insight into the potential for their own future careers. So even though we are coordinators, we don't have the time or energy or ability to spend as much time as we would like with them. So it's so important to engage others um, to work with the summer interns. Um, if possible, having others to help coordinate the program. So I'm fortunate to have another counterpart to another pharmacist to work together to coordinate our large internship class, as well as our HR representative for the department plays a very significant role in helping us to organize all the applications and the onboarding HR requirements. Yes, I agree with everything that's been said. And then some additional thoughts that I had was, just to remember and to come back to what is the overall purpose of the program at your site? What are you hoping to accomplish with this program? So for example, at our site, it was really important to be able to retain our student technician workforce and to elevate their roles to help our pharmacists, to help elevate and prioritize different department goals and to utilize the expertise that we have to be able to reach those goals. So that's something that we keep coming back to as we're thinking about tweaks to the program and how to best structure it. The other thing that, that we've come into is just to really establish an expectation for flexibility that is needed. So we might start off the summer with 
uh, with some sort of vision for what the intern's role will be like. But by the end of the summer, the department needs might change. And we've really tried to discuss with our interns that there is a need for flexibility in real life as well. So as the department priorities change, maybe our interns' roles are going to be changing as well. So just really having that as an established conversation at the beginning of the program, it will help tremendously as the, the program might pivot um, at parts of the, the summer. All right. Thank you all for sharing that advice. Definitely going to stick some of that in my back pocket as I look into my next opportunity after residency. But that is all the time that we have today. So I want to sincerely thank Garrett, Sujin, and Maggie for joining us today to discuss developing and maintaining each of their unique summer internship programs at Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, and the Madison VA. It was definitely extremely beneficial to hear about the opportunities that students have through these programs and how new practitioners interested in creating or optimizing summer internship programs at their institutions can go about doing so. So thank you all again for joining. Um, and for our listeners, you can find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us, and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.